Hi everybody, this is Matt Ryan, and uh, we are doing a different edition. So I'm gonna start adding something to the podcast, and and so fair warning for those not in real estate specifically, this is gonna be specific content tailored to realtors. And what I've been learning and my uh, progression through doing this podcast in the past uh, number of months is that I'm not really taking a lot of time to help describe what it's like to be a realtor and giving content solely to my fellow realtor community. And so I decided to bring a wonderful guest with me that isn't really going to be a traditional interview style, but we're going to go through content uh, that I think is applicable if I was talking to a, a realtors at, you know, any any number of uh, events or hanging out at a bar, masterminding, that kind of thing. And so uh, I'm bringing someone with me who's a friend of mine now for many years. How many years have we known each other? I don't know, seven, eight? Seven or eight years, I'd say. Her name is Katrina, and she is, uh, in my mind, a local legend. So she's um, quite connected here in the Baltimore community, and she is uh, basically running the office now uh, of another Keller Williams office in White Marsh. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give you an opportunity just to kind of say hello and let everybody know what you do and, and what your experience has been. Yeah, my name is Katrina Meistering. I've been in real estate for... 10 years, 10 years in January. And I actually got into the industry in a little bit of a different way than most folks. I feel like most people get in because they're like, I want to sell houses. I had no desire whatsoever to sell houses. I got in because a friend of mine uh, convinced me that the operation side of real estate was uh, was where I should be. So that's where I started. And since then, I've done everything other than be the broker of the office, although I've kind of dipped my toe into some of those responsibilities as well. And four years ago, I stepped out of running, at the time we are probably a $40, $50 million team running that team to run our office. So for any of the lay people here, I like to describe it like real estate brokerages are like a mall and agents are like stores in the mall. So I went from running Macy's to running the mall. And so my job on a daily basis is to um, help the stores in the mall to sell more business, to help the agents in my office to be more productive, to bring in more stores to recruit, and to just overall make sure that that the experience for the consumer is above all the kind of experience they want to come back for time and time again. Yeah. And so that's why she's a perfect guest for this type of segue, right? This type of content, because what I do, I'm on the agent side, right? So I do have a broker's license and and so I, I just don't ever play that side of the fence. So I stay. I know I know what it's like to be on the agent side by now, I should hope. And so I, I wanted to ask you a couple questions and have a discussion and be honest about what I hear. And so what kind of led to this conversation today is just yesterday, the day before, I had a client who I've sold a home to, beautiful home in um, in Baltimore, so in Roland Park. And he is going through a transition in his career and decided to reach out to say, you know what, Matt, what you do looks fun, right? I've always loved real estate. And so and Katrina's had this conversation, how many, what, thousands of times Thousands by now? of times. <laughs> and so she's perfect to do it. I don't get these conversations every day. She does. And so he expressed interest. I love, you know, real estate shows. I've always had an interest. Man, I want to do what you do. It looks easy. Like I see it on social media. You're having fun. You're closing houses. You see all the smiles. Let's do it, right? Mm -hmm. It's good times. And so, you know, it's really challenging to have a conversation with someone to be honest, right? I care for him. He's a really good guy, family man, and he he has to make a choice about his the next steps in his life. Mm -hmm. And so that's a conversation I wanted to have with you is like, what are you current? Like, what advice would you have? And we're recording this, by the way, um, 
in May of 2023. Mm -hmm. And so what do you tell people when they come to you and say, you know, I'm thinking of getting into this career called real estate. I want to do it. Looks fun. Looks relatively easy. Right. Mm -hmm. I love houses. I love people. What are you telling people right now? You have these conversations all the time with people transitioning into real estate or thinking about it. I would say that the it's really the same conversation no matter what the market is, even though our market right now is not the most fun market to be in, to be honest, is that I ask them why. What's the reason you want to get into real estate? And when people tell the truth, it's because they want to make money. They see that real estate is an opportunity to make a bunch of money, which is true, by the way. And in general, um, the people who don't say money, it's I want to make an impact. I want to help people. You can be a teacher make an impact and help people. You could go work for a nonprofit. Why real estate? And it's because it's helping people and it's making a bunch of money. And that's what they see. They see Selling Sunset. They see Matt Ryan. They see people and who are let's, successful. Let's be very honest and then we'll continue. But what percentage of people make, quote unquote, great money in real estate? Maybe like 2%. 2%. It's, it's the number of people who make over $100,000 in real estate is a very small number. Yes. And nine nine out of 10 people don't make it. Nine out of 10 people who get the real estate license don't make it. And it's because they get in to make money. I mean, even I, in our office, we have somebody who runs a pretty large nonprofit, um, sells real estate on the side to help fund the nonprofit. But in order to run a nonprofit, you have to have profit. Every business needs profit. We've got this kind of idea that that the that money, that the pursuit of money is bad. It's the love of money that's bad. It's the love of all of the things in our world that make it so that the pursuit of money is good. And... Uh, so people who get in for money, that's good. You sh if you don't want to make money, you shouldn't get into real estate because it's too hard. If what you really want is to make 50, 60 grand and live a simple life, don't get into real estate. It's too hard to not go all out and want to make a lot of money. But in order to have profit, you have to have closings. In order to have closings, you have to have contracts. Have contracts, you have to have agency agreements. In order to have agencies, you have to have consults. In order to have consults, you have to have leads. In order to have leads, you have to have lead generation in that order. And what people think about when they think about real estate is they think about that consultation sitting down, Matt, what are your real estate goals? Let me help you get there. They think about negotiating the contract. They think about showing the houses. They think about the home inspection. What they don't think about is where does the buyer come from? Where does the seller come from? And it's very different than, like right now we're in a podcast studio. And how long have you been recording here? We just discussed that. I think about six months now. About six months. Yep. So Matt is a repeat client of this studio. As long as, as he continues to be happy with the service, he will continue to bring business to this business and he will continue to refer. When did you buy your house, Matt? Two years ago. Two years ago. When do you plan on moving? According to my wife, never. Never. <laughs> yeah. Never. Mm -hmm. So I just moved last summer and I, I'm going to die there. So unless I have a real estate desire that is outside of my personal residence, which most people is their personal residence. If I was working with another realtor other than myself, I'm done. So it, the the business of lead generation in real estate is very different than most other businesses where somebody who's an insurance salesperson, they bring in a client, they continue to have that book of business over time. Even a car salesman. We were just discussing you. How often do you get a new car? Every three or four years. Yeah. Every three or four years. And you have a wife who also has a car. So you might have you might have a two-year turnover in cars. So your car salesman, they keep in touch. They're going to get business from you once every two to three Which years. they never do, by the way. They never do because they don't follow up. Yeah. And in real estate, it's, you know, seven to 15 years, depending. So you're constantly having to throw more people under the top of the funnel, more 
uh, more business and fewer people are buying houses. So I would say I, I really dig in with new agents on that lead generation piece of are you willing to do what it takes that if you don't have any clients, you're going to go out and find clients and you're going to continue to lead generate, talk to as many people as you can every day. And many people don't want to do that. And I want to be clear, this is not the the reason we're doing this uh, conversation today isn't to scare someone out of ever considering real estate. I think it's just like the conversation I had with my past client. I want to be honest with them about what this is and what this isn't, mm-hmm. because the easier thing to do would be, oh, it's I love it. I love it. It's wonderful. It's, you know, just come on in. Mm-hmm. And you you don't recognize that a number of challenges and things you overcome and even successful people sometimes bow out for a lot of reasons because this is not a you know we don't get the traditional life that that someone in a normal job would get Mm-mm. this is a very bizarre world we're living in it's and we were just discussing it might be a whole episode for another podcast about the lifestyle and how it can consume you mm-hmm. and you know, so I guess we can go into that later, but I don't, I don't want to get too sidetracked. It's just, I'm just trying to emphasize that this isn't to discourage someone who might be listening to this from getting into it. It's just being, it's recognizing the reality of what this is. And I think one of the reasons why you and I are friends is because we don't, we don't sugarcoat things. We are who we are. We, well, we're going to be authentic and whatever it is. And what I, I think that real estate is an incredible career. It is an opportunity to make an impact on your world and people's legacies and to uh, create wealth for families that didn't have that. Like the opportunity in real estate is so incredible. And where there is great opportunity, there's also great responsibility. And it creates a whole different level of challenges that if you're not ready to get in, you're not ready to do the work. I mean, real estate's super flexible. You can work whichever 16 hours of the day you want. And uh that when you don't have, when you don't go in with your eyes open, it's kind of like, have you ever had a friend who got married and was like, oh my gosh, this is like normal life just with somebody else. And I'm like, yeah, that's what marriage is. But people go into things with preconceived notions. And I always want somebody, if they're going to get into real estate, to go in eyes wide open, knowing exactly what they need to do. And it's like one of those old fashioned water pumps. Remember those where you pump it like sure. 10 times and water comes out? You never know exactly how many times you're going to need to pump it to have water come out. You just can't quit. Yeah, and it's and it's an interesting market. So getting back to just trying to stay laser focused, uh, and I'll do my best on this version of the podcast, right? Stay focused on the task at hand about describing to what a new agent in this time frame in 2023 might be thinking. It, it's trying to understand what are the what are the pros. So let's be positive for a minute, mm-hmm. right? So if you're able to make it, this is. Well, let's get back to, is this an easy or challenging time to start in real estate, in your opinion, in terms of the market? Uh, it depends on how you're looking at it. You ever heard of the, and this might be a totally fictional story I'm about to tell. And I've heard it multiple times, so I'm going to pretend like it's real. Sure. If it is fictional, the guy who wanted to throw the discus in the Olympics. Have you ever heard that story? No, but don't let truth get in the way of a good story. Indeed, indeed. So it was back in the day when... Uh, there was no internet, there was none of that. So he decides he's gonna compete in the Olympics and he's gonna throw the discus. So he goes to the library and he looks up the specs for the discus. And then he looks up the record for dis- the discus throw. He has a discus made and he um, starts training to throw it that far. He never gets to the record and he's really discouraged. When he gets to the Olympics, he realizes that he had the old specs and now instead of being made of all metal, the discus is made of part metal, part wood. 
and he blows the records out of the water because he is so used to throwing the heavier thing that now when it's lighter, it's going to be easy. Anyone who is getting into the industry right now is throwing the metal discus. They are coming in at an extremely challenging time. And yet those who survive, they are going to find when this market shifts again, because that's the only thing constant in our market is it's going to change. When it shifts again, they're going to be find, find it to be so much easier. And in general, like think about when you were um, when you were a new agent, how many of your people were first time home buyers? Majority of them. Majority of them. How many of them got seller help? Every single one of them. Every single one of them. How, when was the last time you got somebody's seller help on a deal? And to clarify, seller help is when you can get the seller to offer cash at closing mm-hmm. to help cover the closing cost or par- part of the closing cost for the buyer. Right. Yeah. So, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. And nowadays, you can't get that. You get laughed. If you put that on a contract, 90% of the time, they're going to laugh you out of the room. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So unless it's a house that's way overpriced and it's been sitting you're not going to get it. So there's a lot of agents who would have cut their teeth on first-time home buyers and really learned the business the way that you did by, you know, the low the 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 first people, the the newer people, the newer buyers, etc. It's just those people are not able to get houses right now. So the number of houses to go around is already the lowest it's ever been. Right. And in the statistic fewer. at least in Maryland, we are down roughly 40% in total transaction volume as of now in 2023. So that's all of us are collectively down 40%. And is that number accurate? Because that's what I read. Yeah, that's that's accurate. And it can vary a little bit if you go more hyper-local. Yeah. And overall, the Mid-Atlantic region is down by about 40%. However, now the National Association of Realtors is down in realtor count this year. And yet the last several years, we added a lot of realtors. Well, and that's just cyclical. So when times are good, realtors just jump in like that's and Gary Keller always talks about it and everyone else that that has a a stage they'll describe that you can look at agent count in this country and when it peaks when it's at new highs the the turn right it's right around the corner Mm -hmm. like typically the market is going to it's been good obviously and the market typically turns thereafter right shortly thereafter you start to see dips and agent count just drops dramatically typically well and a part of it is that in the in we all thought 2020, you know, COVID hit. We're like batting down the hatches. This is it. This is, we're going to have a huge recession. The market's going to shift. It had actually been, I did a did an analysis. It had been the longest that we'd ever gone without a recession, a true recession in our country. Sure. And, uh, and that didn't happen. And fish were jumping into the boat. And if you had your license, you were getting deals. And uh, uh, what happened is a lot of people increased their income. So they increased their lifestyle based upon a market that was never going to last. So what we're seeing now is some of the people who are getting out of the business are those brand new agents who don't have those first time home buyers to cut their teeth on and are, it's just, it's taking too long and too much work. And we're also seeing some pretty successful agents get out simply because they, um, they sold 30 houses in 2021 and then 15 in 2022. That means their income was cut in half. And now they're at that point that they can go get a J-O-B, a nine to five, that people are not calling you at 9 p.m. They're not calling. You're not showing houses all weekend. That you get health insurance. You it's a much um, less stressful lifestyle, and sure. you can pay your bills. And these people, they're working too hard for the money that that they're making selling fewer houses. But because they don't, because they don't know where the business came from when it was good, they can't make more of it. 
Yeah. So that, that is part of the question is like, what are you experiencing? So I can tell you my experience as a realtor, but it's different. The issue is some people are still having maybe the best year of their lives. It's possible any individual, right? That mm -hmm. the stats don't count. But when you look at the more general, you'll see what the truth, the health of the market is. But what are you seeing currently? Like, are people still entering the market in terms of agents? Are they still coming in or is it a lot harder? Because your job partly, right, is to help recruit and grow the office. Mm -hmm. Is it challenging right now to get people to join or, you know, new people? Or is it or are they still coming trying to join? I hope that everyone who is thinking about getting a real estate license listens to the first part of this conversation and actually really considers because most of the people who come across my desk have never heard the term lead generation. So as a result, they don't have any idea that it's not an right. easy time to get in and the barriers to entry are low to get your real estate license. We're talking about less than $500 to take the class at 60 hour class and take the test. Right. If you were going to become a cosmetologist, it would cost you far more money and far more time to cut hair. Sure. And yet we entrust people with 60 hours of an online course to help people with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of transactions. And it's a little scary. No, we still have plenty of people getting in. It's the people getting out that we're seeing more of. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I see that as well. And I always, as someone who's been in it, I've, you know, I almost look forward to it. I like the good times, right? In the past couple of years, it's been lovely. But the challenging times, I always try to look at it to say, what's the opportunity here? The opportunities people will be exiting and it allows me to have a stronger foothold in the community. And if you do really well and I've saved my money and I'm starting to invest in even more marketing, like this is the time to grow as an agent, in my opinion. So if you've been around in a, for a while and you're listening to this, this is the time when you should have been having your reserves to put forth into market. I've increased marketing over the last six months, not decreased. I'm cutting a lot of other things in my life. I told you I'm cutting back in other areas, but I am marketing. I'm trying to grow market share now because as I've been taught, it's, it you know, during hard times when you grow market share, when things get better, you typically keep that percentage. You keep, mm -hmm. you you know, it's time to gain, it's time to grow. And then when times get better, I'm I'm there, right? right. And I'm going to, I'm going to ride that tidal wave up. Market share gained in a recession is rarely lost. Market share lost in a recession is rarely gained back. Right. That's where these people who are like, I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to sit on the sideline and wait for it to get better. They're never coming back. And if you they mean are, I shouldn't wait to buy a house until rates get cheaper. <laughs> rates that getting cheap. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's the there are so many um, in general. There are a few things you should wait for. I think just in life, like if it's if you're going to do it six months from now, why not today? Like I think about this is kind of a weird example, but when I had my first baby. I bought maternity clothes almost immediately. We're like, why? I'm like, well, I'm going to buy them eventually. Why not do it now and get the full enjoyment and be comfortable for all nine months instead of only comfortable for the last five months because now I can't wear regular clothes. Yeah. And I find that in general, like if you are thinking about going to get your real estate license, go get it now. Go get it now. If you're thinking about buying a house, go do it now. There's all, there's, there's, there are things to wait for. And then in, I would say that more people are, um, held back by waiting then then they've been then they, then going out and doing it has been a detriment so if you're going to go for it this is by the way i'll give you what i the advice i gave i started the story describing a client that called me and had this idea about joining i encourage him to do just that to jump in to this industry of ours two weeks he's going to get a license it's, mm -hmm. that's how quick yep. it is so he's going to knock out his license 
and then I'm I told him and encouraged him to get his like continue the job while he does this part time to learn. Mm-hmm. He needs to learn, in my opinion, to lead, generate how you describe, to develop his database, his sphere, mm-hmm. the people that trust him, know him, like him. Because as good as I think I am, right, I don't know the people that know him. He has instant credibility I don't have. Mm-hmm. And he can absolutely learn our business and those can be his clients. And then over time, I would encourage him to potentially, if he loves it, to then jump. And so I started part-time. It, if, it, if it's an option for you, go part-time. That's, that's what I'm encouraging him to do. And I should add, hopefully, right, he works with me. I don't know. We haven't gotten that far. But join a really good team that has the ability to coach or join a brokerage that has coaching mm-hmm. and learn. And don't just think you know it all. You know, be in a position for at least a year or two where you are around people that have talent and are successful. And I, I agree with you there that there's times people say, I quit my job. I'm like, <sighs> Yeah. All right. And what, especially in this market where you might not make any money for a year, yep. like that's the, that's the bottom line truth. And that the, it used to be that we're like in a really great market if you're killing it 90 days. And I tell people all the time, like we call, I call them dual career. Cause I truly believe that it's dual career. It's the, you have two very, you have two different focuses. And, um, in that though, you need two things. You need a, you need a pipeline and you need reserves. And then the level of reserves that you need in order to quit your job depends on your pipeline. And the number of the amount of pipeline you need depends on your reserves. If you say right now I have in the bank four years worth of reserves, go quit your job. Do it. You'll be fine. You will start to sell houses and you will start making money in enough time. But when you say I've got 90 days of reserves, do not quit your job. Now, if you say I have 90 days of reserves, but I have a $3 million buyer who wants to go under contract next week. All right. You might be fine. In that case, so it has the pipeline and the reserves. And what happens with a lot of dual career agents, though, is they're working really hard and they finally sell a house. And they get the that commission check and they're like, honey, we're going to Jamaica. Yeah. And uh, the next one, they're like, ah, you know what? I've been really wanting to get that truck, the Tesla truck. Isn't that what you're getting next? Yeah. The, hopefully. I've, I've been really <laughs> It never wanting, comes out, but sure, next year. I've been really yeah. wanting to get that Tesla truck. I'm going to put the down payment on that. So instead of building up their reserves, they add fluff to their life right and if you ever want to be full-time you have to view it as every check that you get in real estate is going towards those reserves so that you can quit your job because i do unless you are there's a couple of people who are dual career that they have extreme flexibility in their day job and make a lot of money like i was talking to somebody who makes like 200 grand works about 10 hours a week i do not quit that day job and yet for most people, you're not going to live a life worth living if you're doing both. It's a sprint in this case and sprint as quickly as you can to get through to the point that you can quit your job because you have the pipeline and the reserves. Right. And I, I was part time for seven years. I jumped because I had the opportunity. They offered to lay me off and pay me a severance. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Right. And some people have a spouse that they're like, we can live on my spouse's income. I do think that the minute somebody can reasonably quit, they should. Because if you, right. it's kind of like the idea of... um have you ever heard of burn the boats mm-hmm, sure that you go and if whoever it was was invading and they burn the boats behind them because there is no there is no going back yeah if you have a plan b the likelihood of you being successful with plan a is is challenging mm-hmm. right because you know just this i've been doing it forever and just this week three days of the last four i've been at the office past 9 nine thirty. i get home and everyone's asleep and i have a dinner and cold in the fridge mm-hmm. like you have to be that committed to being successful and then I the way I, the reason I work that hard is because if I if I take on a client, in my opinion, that a level of trust and that I've that I take on 
right? And the level of responsibility I feel towards them is immense. And I'm not going to take you on and agree to work with you if I'm not giving you everything. And whatever that means, time-wise, I'm going to do. And, you know, so the commitment towards your life, that's just, it's a, that's the challenge. And I hope that, you know, you're willing and, you know, if you're listening to this to, to potentially suck it up and do what's necessary to fulfill commitments that you make, Mm -hmm. um, and doing so with your eyes wide open. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy what I do. So I'm willing to do it, but I hope it, I figure it all out before I burn myself completely out because it's not sustainable forever. It's not sustainable forever. And that's, I think the myth that a lot of people have is that, well, I've got to balance my life. I got to be at home at five o'clock for dinner. I tell you what, I am not home at five o'clock for dinner. Most nights I work in real estate and uh, my family lives a good life because I do. And yet I'm going to take all morning off Friday because my four-year-old's graduating from preschool and we're going to live that up. And that's what I say about the flexibility. The beautiful thing is it's, it's not about balance. It's about counterbalance. It's I'm going to go, I'm going to sprint for a little while in business and then I'm going to pull back. Like your, your director of operations is going to going away to Greece for a month and that's going to be tough for you. And that's probably the counterbalance that she needs, that she's been running really hard and you guys have been encountering the difficult, a difficult market and she's going to have time to recharge and refresh. She's going to come back a much better a much better employee, a much better asset for people just simply because she has recharged. And here's the other thing that I've realized is that the beautiful thing about real estate is it doesn't need to be balanced. It can be integrated. And like right now, you and I are doing real estate and you're an old friend and I'm enjoying hanging out with you. That it's not, I had lunch with another realtor who's with a different brokerage who we've been, we went through um, some personal development courses together. Really amazing lunch. When you're working with buyers and sellers, how many of those people become your friends? Ask you out to dinner, invite you to the cookouts. That our That's the beautiful thing is that when you've been in this long enough, it doesn't necessarily ha- need to be balanced. It can be integrated. Yeah, and I think I think those that think that way succeed if I want to have, well, I've seen realtors have a burner phone mm-hmm. you know, for the real estate business. And I'm like, man, all the successful ones that I know, it's it's their, they have one phone, it's their life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's, I have one phone. It's, it's, it is my life and you integrate your family and your everything into it. And I will never miss a practice or a game for my kids. It's like mm-hmm. you integrate it. I'll potentially work when I'm there occasionally, but do you get what I mean? It's like, I, but I embrace it and, and I, that's just who I am. And that's, what's different between that. The freedom of real estate that it provides is very different than a nine to five, Right. nine to five. You know, you do I have enough PTO to take off from my preschool, my kid's preschool graduation? That doesn't feel good. So real estate provides the opportunity to make impact on people's lives and including your own family. And yet it also, I know a lot of people whose marriages fall apart, whose families fall apart because they don't, they don't counterbalance. They don't choose to, we're going to go on vacation and I'm going to leave my phone in the room for the next four hours. Like God forbid for a lot of realtors. And that's what their their kids need them to build a sand sand castle with them. And they're not doing that. So it's important to understand that, that yes, we can work whichever hours it is and we can integrate, but we've got to, we got to make sure that we put our families first too. And I think of it as boundaries. So everyone has their own, right? You love social media. Whenever I go on there, you're, you're on there. So I like, I applaud you for that. I was telling you that I, for whatever reason, for health, my personal mental health, I'm never on that. I mean, I'm on it for, I told you maybe one minute a day. Mm -hmm. It's that, that aggressive. I just can't stand it. 
because it it fills me up with I'm not doing that well, even if I'm killing it. And then if I'm not doing well, I feel hard. It's just the, the I feel like it's a very negative influence in my life. Mm -hmm. And so about two years ago, I just decided I'm done. And so I post for business and I still post things occasionally, but you're not going to see me comment on anything hardly. Mm -hmm. And I don't respond to comments. So I'm doing, I'm hard. I'm failing. I have an F in social media for a business owner. Um, I get that. But I, I just, for health reasons, I'm learning how to, how to deal with what, how, you know, how I am and who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's really interesting that I can deal with this podcast because I can do it. We're here for whatever half hour, hour, and I don't publish this and I won't listen to it. And I don't, it's just, you get it's like almost like how I view social media. Yeah. And I think that everyone needs to find their own niche and their own thing. But that piece of, I actually don't like social media in general. Mm -hmm. I choose to be in it in a way that's different than others. I choose to be authentic in a way like I I have never posted a picture with a filter and I am unfiltered when it comes. I think somebody once said, and I um I might not get this right, but everything that is said is true, not everything that is true is said. And I think that that's important there too. Like y'all don't want to hear about the fight that I had with my my husband. Like that's probably not gonna be a good thing to post. And I think that for you, it's who are you authentically? Who am I authentically and how do we be, how do we create value in the marketplace for that? And how do we create and how do we live a healthy life mentally as well? I think that this, um, the, the market sucks. <laughs> it's really bad. Like I, even the people I, well, let's, <sighs> let's explain that. So if I'm not, cause I'm kind of gearing this podcast, right. To, to someone who might not be in it. So mm -hmm. why do you say it sucks right now, right? So what about it? So it looks okay, right from the outside, doesn't it? I don't know, right? If I'm not in it, things seem to be selling, I don't know. Do you buy a real Christmas tree or do you have a fake one? I buy a real one every year. You buy a real one every year. Do you remember the last couple of years when you've gone to buy it, if you experienced the same thing that I did, that like very low selection, not enough trees? I went to like four places, I'm embarrassed, but I grew up with a ridiculously large Christmas tree, and I remember that as part of my childhood, like mm -hmm. embarrassingly large. It was huge. It didn't fit, uh -huh. and like it was so big, you'd have to cut the top of it off and the bot, and it'd squeeze it in and scrape the the, the ceiling. ceiling. Yeah, yeah. So that's the I have to find that tree to relive the childhood. So it takes me like a bunch, you know, multiple visits, and they gouge you these days. Holy yeah. smokes! Well, there's a been a Christmas tree shortage. Yeah, the last several years. And the reason for that is two things. Thing one is back in the last recession, multiple Christmas tree farms closed. Now, the trees that were already planted kept growing and somebody reopened it and they planted trees two, three years later. Additionally, in the, around the same time, there was a, um, a blight, like a virus in the Christmas trees in different areas, and many of them died. So we didn't experience the impact of those two things for a decade because you don't buy a baby Christmas tree. You buy the one that you got to scrape the ceiling with, right? And uh, they, so for years and years, everything appeared to be fine. And eventually things will be fine again when it comes to Christmas trees. But we bought a fake tree last year and I said I would never do it. But I was so sick of spending so much money on a terrible tree that we bought a fake tree. And a couple of years from now, when that's when that series of trees, the, the lack of trees for those years, the new ones have grown up, we'll go back to a real tree. Same thing happened with real estate. In the last crash, builders went out of business and they stopped building houses. So in the last decade, 12 years or so, for every 1.4 families added to our population, only one house was built. 
and not a big deal because there's not actually 0.4 of any family. I mean, I've got a, we've got whole families, not mm -hmm. 0.4 families. And uh, it did wasn't a big deal, wasn't a big deal, wasn't a big deal until it was. And then at the same time, COVID hit and they took interest rates, which I view interest rates like a beach ball. And what happens is that um, in order to, uh, um, to stimulate the economy, the Fed will take that beach ball and they'll hold it under the water. And then eventually what they should do is they should let go and the beach ball will pop back up. They should have let go in about 2018. And they did it. And interest rates remained artificially low. They should have gone back up to five and a half, six or so. And then when COVID hit and everybody was like, oh crap, what's going to happen? They said that we're going to we're going to hit a major recession. We have to stimulate the economy. We have to pour money into the economy. They did stimulus. And the other thing is they did, they took the beach ball that was already low and pulled it even further down under the water. And then we had rapid inflation. So they had to take that beach ball and let go. And it floated up and it floated up to more than double, sometimes triple what other what people were paying previously. So let's take me for example. I moved last year. I own a home uh, that I've owned since 2009. I didn't sell it because I'm at 2.6% interest. If I had not been at 2.6% interest, I probably would have sold that house. Instead, I'm holding as an investment property. So we have a lack of houses because builders went out of business and stopped building. And there's people like me who are just not selling because I'm at 2.6%. I also have a friend who was thinking about selling and realized that even if like, he wanted to upgrade, he can't even afford his own house now if he was to sell it and rebuy it himself. Yep. So we just don't have enough houses. There's not enough houses and the government can do a bunch of things to get buyers into the market. Remember back, when did you buy your first house? What year? Uh, I mean, uh, 2007. 2007. Oh, what a great year to buy a house. Yeah. Um, a terrible year to buy a house. I bought mine in 2009 and I got $5,000 as a first time yeah. home buyer from the government. Just like, just free, free money. So that. No, there's still free they, money out there right now. There Lots is. Lots of it. There's the, we can, we can create more buyers just like that. Creating more listings is not that easy. And, uh, so that's why this market is tough and it's going to remain tough until we can get more inventory. And that's not a quick process. You are so good with analogies. I'll be darned if this is i uh, I'll need to copy some of your styles here because <laughs> I, I did like the simplistic answer. The way that I, I like the way my mind works is just, there's no, there's nothing to sell. So mm -hmm. why is it a challenging market in my mind? It's just because people are staying put typically mm -hmm. with low interest rates and there's a housing shortage. There's only two things mm -hmm. in my mind. So you've, you've elaborated on that beautifully and and so it, in, an, in an environment that's challenging to sell, being new is very challenging. I was describing when you brought up um, the fact that when I started, we, it was very easy to get buyers under contract. Mm -hmm. Now it's very challenging, very challenging to get buyers under contract. And if I didn't have the experience I knew, and I knew, I know a lot of these agents that are around that have been around for a long time, because the 20% rule applies in mm -hmm. real estate like it does anywhere else. 80% roughly of all the business is done by 20% of the people. Mm -hmm. I'd like to say that's probably a 90-10 rule in real estate, yeah. but majority of the business is done by very few people. And so we all know each other. And as long as you keep your nose clean, right, and you're good and you've participated well in previous years, the, it helps. And mm -hmm. so if there's 10 offers on a property, your reputation will help you win. Which is also why it's so important who you align yourself with as a new agent. Is that your past client, your past client has a couple of choices. You're, he can choose to align with you. He can choose to go as a an individual agent with a with a brokerage, and 
Um, those are really the main, those are the two choices. You join a team or don't join a team. And then it's which team do you join and which brokerage do you join? And I will tell you that there are, um, that there are certain teams, certain brokerages that don't have the best reputation that when you've got 10 offers and you know, but how do you know that? So I'm new, right? So where do I go? How do I know what your reputation is? Like that's that I, you're a hundred percent right. But I just, I'm thinking about that. If I was sitting on the sideline thinking about getting in, how do I, how do I know? That's a great question. I mean, I feel like that is because it's actually more of a reputation among in the industry. That's right. Outsiders. And I'm not going to bash anybody. If so, you tried to pin right. me down and say, who's bad. I'm not, not going to tell you. you. Yeah, we all kind of know in the industry, but you're not. I'm not yeah, going to open my mouth. Like I, I'm going to see ten offers come across my desk, and I'm going to see that name and know that that person fall. That person gets their people out of contracts all the time. It's really hard to earn a good reputation, but it's very easy to lose it. Correct. So I, I guess maybe a tip would be go to somebody and say, like, I would come to you. I'd say, Matt, I'm thinking about these five teams. That's a good way. Will you off rank the record, them? Yep. Off, Will you yep. rank them? Number like if you were going to join a team from first to last, and you don't have to say like number five might be a great team. You don't have to tell me why, but from first to last, if I'm considering these, it's doing the due diligence. But hitting like it's goal hitting goals are simple. Set a goal, find somebody to help you get there. Do what they tell you to do. That's it. Right. And what happens is. People complicate that in real estate as they think, well, what's my split? I don't care. As a new agent, you should not care what your split is. You should care about what other new agents have been successful and how much money did they take home at the end of the day. If I, if I offered you 1%, would you take it? I know the answer is it depends. Right? Yeah. Like if we were talking about Elon Musk earlier, right? Elon Musk offered me 1% of Tesla. Heck yes. I want to take that. So... I don't overcomplicate goal setting. People will complicate it by. Now, there are other things that are important, like your environment is important. Your location is important. There's other things that are important, but set a goal, find somebody who you are confident is going to help you get there. Do what they say. That's it. And it's also the same for buyers and sellers, by the way. You right. set a goal. I want to buy a house. You find somebody who you are confident can help you get there and you do what they say. And that's part of the challenge of this environment, too, is that. You'll meet with somebody who is a um, who bought and sold five years ago, and they think, "Well, I think my neighbor sold for three fifty, so I want to list at three seventy five. That way, I can negotiate down to three fifty because that's what I want to get." That's not how this market is. This market is if it's listed at three seventy five, people assume it's going to go for four hundred, and that that's the opening bid, and they're not going to bid if they can only if they can only pay three sixty or three fifty. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So that's where a lot of people. They feel like they have, consumers feel like they have experience and they do. Their experience just isn't current. And as an agent, you need to, as a a consumer, you need to find an agent who knows what they're doing and just listen to what they say. So in my two cents, I would join a team knowing what I know now. I would have done it. I think I would have been more successful a lot faster. Mm -hmm. I think with my ego and all the other things that can be both positive and negative associated with who I am as a human, um, I don't think I'd stay there forever uh, for that reason, but I think it would have helped me accelerate my learning curve dramatically. Uh, I could have modeled good behaviors. I could have learned the things that you and I know now that I would I just wouldn't have known otherwise. It was more painful than it needed to be is how I view it. Um, and so that's what I would do. And the other thing you talked about was lead gen, right, that we already mentioned. That's something you need to figure out, I think, prior to 
understanding what all the pillars of lead generation are and what your choices might be. Figure that out before you jump. And then the other piece that we spoke about before we jumped in the podcast was finances. Mm -hmm. Understanding the financials of the business of real estate, understanding that you are a, they're not, no one's taking your taxes out, for example. So if you get a check for 10 grand, guys, it's not $10,000 in your pocket. It seems that way. It feels that way, especially if you've been an employee before, you're used to net checks, right? Net mm -hmm. paychecks. That's not how this works. And you have expenses and you need to have all these different funds. Like, do you have a book recommendation? Like, how do people learn about that, do you feel, before they make a jump? Because it's so important and no one knows about it. I think for any business person, Profit First is a really powerful book. Um, it talks about, I'm trying to think of, it's the same author as who wrote Clockwork. Um, but really great, really great book talking about how setting aside money in the right ways. There's, um, there's a class by a guy by the name of Brandon Green called The Alchemy of Money. Right. which deals with have you taken that i haven't done that but i did read profit first i'm in his little club profit first i can 100 percent endorse mm -hmm. that describes you bucket your money into a few different buckets and one of those buckets guess what it's the name of the book the first bucket is profit mm -hmm. um it because we sometimes don't earmark that and then you have operating expenses and down the line so it's that's a great book yeah profit first is a great one alchemy of money is a great class specifically on how realtors should handle money um, and I, in, I mean, the millionaire real estate agent, that is the Bible when it comes to all things real estate in there, they talk about the budget model. They talk about what you should be spending. And here's what I find is more of the challenge is, um, people don't know how to cut their personal expenses when they need to cut their personal expenses. So I just was talking with somebody the other day who has a great director of operations businesses down. I, I got to cut her. I can't, I can't pay for her. And I said, well, let, tell, let's look at your, let's look at your books. Let's look at your finances. And he's not off model when it comes to how much he's paying her based upon the income that'll up this year. The problem is he's off model in how much money he's expecting to take home as net profit to his family. Like, where are you going on vacation? He's taking the family to Europe. Maybe you should hold off this year. That trip in and of itself is going to pay for several months of her salary. And instead of telling his family, hey, guys, the market's down, we're not going to be able to take as fancy of a vacation, he is going to cut off the legs of his business by eliminating the person who keeps him organized and keeps his marketing going and keeps his lead generation going. That I um, I think it's important not just to have understand business finances, it's you got to understand personal finances too. And the first step I tell for everyone when it comes to personal finances is download mint.com. Do you know what mint is? Yeah, I, Rocket Mortgage bought. Uh, not mint, but it's another Intuit. One. Intuit. It's something like that. But mm -hmm. yes, it manages all my money and it tells me when I have a check that cleared. It it really yeah. And it even it it um fights, if you will, to get lower bills. So mm -hmm. if you have a Verizon bill or something, it actually tries to negotiate. I don't know how the heck they do it. Right. But, they go in and they it's yeah. all the algorithms. It's yeah. artificial intelligence, which you should do something with somebody who knows more of it about that than I do, because that's taking over our world. But the idea that there is a um with mint link your bank account, you link your credit card, and then you just just start looking at it. Start with the baby steps. Don't try to say, oh, I'm gonna set this big budget and I'm gonna cut all my expenses and I'm gonna get out of debt and I'm gonna do the other things. Like Start with just just having a conversation with your money. Just, it's, it's like anything you wanna, if you wanna have a great relationship with a person, the frequency with which you speak with them is important. And now you and I have been friends for a long time that if we go, if I don't see you for the next 12 months, we're still going to be good friends 
because we've got we've got history there. But when you're first starting out with somebody, you got to spend more time with them to build those relationships. Same thing with your money. If you're just starting out managing your money, you need to visit it frequently. You need to, to see what's happening. Go in and say, hey, you know what? I did spend a lot of money. Like, um, Brandon Green, who tells us about the alchemy of money, he talks about he was spending, he had somebody who did his grocery shopping for him and realized that they were spending, he liked fresh blueberries in his protein shake. And it was, they were out of season and he was spending like $300 a month on blueberries. Hmm, but because weird. he was now paying attention, he saw that, he knew what his grocery bills were and they jumped up. He figured that out and then he's like, I'm going to buy the frozen blueberries th- at this time of year. But that's the other piece. Another thing um, for folks who have, I, I don't ascribe to everything that he says, but Dave Ramsey and the Financial Peace University can be really helpful, especially for people who have debt and who don't have a strong relationship with money when it comes to savings and debt and all of that. That's another really great resource. Yeah, and so, you know, trying not to make this go on for too long, but the reality is it's it's what we hear is all the, when people come and they think about real estate, it's all the positives. And there are so many positives. This is like the summation, if you will. There's so many positives. There's people that do this really well. You're you're probably watching the people in the top 1% or 5% of realtors that are living these bigger lives that seem to make it's easy and chances are they've been in it for years. They have a database and they are religiously marketing and putting themselves out there and the rest of them are lying <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or at least embellishing the truth. Right. And uh, so the reality is you just need to have your eyes wide open and do some of this pre-work and save your money and um, talk to people like Katrina her entire job is to talk to not just successful agents and help to help them improve their business and grow their business and potentially partner with your brokerage, but you help new people that are joining and you might want to talk to someone like Katrina to understand, is this the right time for you? Should you jump? Because you won't take everyone that wants to join, mm-hmm. right? Because you have a heart, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, maybe it's not, it's not no, but it's not. Not now. Not sometimes. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it might be a, well, go ahead and get your license and do the dual career thing and right. uh, figure that out. But it's the, there's always, it, the answer is always yes, how, it's not no why. And I think a lot of people only hear the yes and you need the how to go along really with anything in life. That's right. And so if you are in Maryland or even outside of Maryland and you want to have a discussion, I'm also willing and able to to help. And if I'm not the right person to connect you with, I'm happy to connect you with someone. Um, it's it's offered me an amazing life. So I, I love it. But I just I just wanted to wake people up a little bit, uh, especially in 2023 and what this market's like. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's it's it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, indeed. <laughs> there we go. So I think that's it. I think I I think uh, we beat this horse uh, pretty good. Yeah, good talk. <laughs> so good talk. Well, thank you for joining me, of and course, I'll have your pleasure. contact information. So if you want to partner with your brokerage. Uh, in White Marsh in, in Maryland. And in Bel Air. We have a location in Bel Air now, too. And in Bel Air. I know that you've helped me uh, significantly, and you're uh, you're open to have a conversation with me, so I'm grateful for that and thankful for that. Pleasure. Um, I'm grateful for you. We all go through challenges, and so um, I'll put your information in here as well. And so that's it. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. <laughs>